Broadcasting live from Baltimore, Maryland, the Breath of Life Ministries presents Experience the Power. When God gets ready, He can deliver you if you call on Him, if you trust in Him. Be worthy of the Let's go live to the Miracle Temple Worship Center, where our service is in progress. Tonight I want to take you to something that I love. I'm going to try to hold myself down tonight. I went through this sermon and found about 15 experienced the power moments. I can't put that many in. I think I got three I might be able to share with you. But tonight is going to be powerful, I believe. Would you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 21 and uh, start with me at about verse... 25 Luke chapter 21 and started about verse 25 and tonight the title as you know is look up and the pages are turning and I'm encouraged but I got to move on and there shall be signs in the Sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory and when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh would you pray with me father in heaven tonight we dare not move forward without you send your holy spirit to be with us not only to touch the one who speaks tonight but to move up and down aisles of every downlink site send jesus to be with us he can do that for he can go everywhere and i pray father that you promised that where two or three are gathered in your name you'd be there so be with us in Jesus name amen I'll tell you what grabs me so quickly the Bible says that when you see trouble look up normally when you see trouble when things get rough we tend to look down our countenances are downward facing our attitudes face downward but this text says that when things begin to be troubled don't look down but remember what's about to happen i believe that there may actually be a conspiracy and i'm afraid it may be among even some preachers to make people think that the coming of jesus is something to be afraid of whoever taught me that and i've heard some people 
who said, I've got to warn you, Jesus is coming. Hey, if you got to warn me, that's not good. Anytime you bring me a warning that he's coming, then that means you think it's going to turn out wrong. The Bible says, look up, because when you see he's about to come, your redemption draweth nigh. And that's a good thing. What do you say? I, I was preaching... Uh, I was preaching in Poland before all of these watershed changes occurred. I was, I was preaching in a time that I didn't recognize was so dangerous. I was starting to preach, not unlike this series I'm doing now, but I was doing it when the Reagan administration was calling on elements within Poland to try and free people, to bring democracy in Poland. Uh, the challenge is that people in the Eastern Bloc thought maybe it was something that came to destabilize their power. So with all of these international tensions at their height, here's a preacher knowing nobody in Poland going with just a Bible and some sermons to preach the Word of God. I got there and uh, evidently some people thought I was part of it. I was walking down the street one day and I saw three, four, then maybe five of my posters. Couldn't understand the Polish, but my throat was cut on the poster. You don't have to speak Polish to understand that. So I went back and I asked my interpreter, uh, you know, saw myself today. My throat was cut. Does that mean anything good here? Because where I come from, that's nah, not a good sign. He said, well, no, let's not talk about it. A few days later, there came an article in the paper. And then I said, tell me what it said. He said, no, you don't need to know what it says. Just keep preaching. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not a rocket scientist, but throat cut, article in the paper. Finally, I said, I will not preach another night until you tell me what it says. Then I wish I had done what he said. <laughs> they said, this guy's got to go. This black evangelist has come to stir up trouble. He's got to go. When I finished that meeting, I went to the airport. And a little fellow who spoke, spoke only Polish. I, I had learned a little Polish, but I didn't know enough. I said, thank you very much. Dziękuję bardzo. I said, bardzo dobre. That means I... I really appreciate it but that wasn't enough to make him go he stayed finally when the pastor came who could speak Polish and English I said why won't he leave and they talked a long time and I said what are you, what are you talking about he said well there's some people in the airport who want to kill you before you leave <laughs> tell him to stay <laughs> you stay Let's just hug each other. <laughs> I got on a plane. And for the only time in my life, and I've been flying for maybe 36 or 7 years, the plane would not start. Two soldiers with submachine guns came walking down the aisle. I didn't have time to think that they wouldn't have shot me on the plane because it would compromise the skin. I only thought this was it. So I have already prayed the prayer. 
You know that prayer that you think you might pray one day? I've prayed it. I'm afraid you weren't in it. <laughs> it was very narrow. It, it was just Sandy and our two children and me. And I said, Lord, if there's anything you and I need to talk about, I think I've got about 30 seconds. The only thing that gave me hope was that Sandy and I had arranged for her to come and, and meet me. I'd been away from home for over a month, under tension, the whole time. And I couldn't wait to see my wife. She was going to come into Poland, but we found out if she had come in, they would have held her and made me leave. That's not a good situation. So we decided that she'd meet me in Germany. That plane finally started. Somebody ought to say amen. It was the most wonderful takeoff I have ever experienced. <laughs> and then I got to that airport in Germany where I had to leave the secure portion. And then I was looking for my wife. Can you imagine how, how I was looking for my wife? I'd been under all of that pressure. My life threatened. There were extremists who did in fact intend to kill me. But I'm here today to tell you that if God be for you, nobody be against you. But you've got to get to the place where you say, Lord, if it's for your glory, I'm willing to die. Because if, if I die in you, I'll preach about it eventually, I'll rise again. But I'll tell you, when I got to that airport and, and couldn't see my baby, if you call your wife baby that's your thing and I searched and I would walk up and down I didn't I'd ask where will she come they said we can't tell you but I was searching and finally when I saw her I think she's pretty all the time but that day whoo! <laughs> you know I told you that story if you multiply my desire to see my wife by 10,000. I'll tell you how much I want to see my Jesus. I, I know there, there are some people hoping that I'll fuss at you. They're hoping that I'll say mean things to you. But all I want to tell you is that I just wish everybody loved Jesus and expected his appearing as much as I do. Because I've had enough of this. We have been blessed to travel around the world. I have seen some things with these eyes that you would never imagine. For a little country boy who came from Alabama, who grew up with bare feet and short pants, You'd never imagine that God would take me to all the places that he's taken me. Sandy and I have been in places that had gold beds. We have walked across marble floors. People have entertained us with gold flatware. We have eaten out of plates that cost more than all of our clothes. But everywhere we went, there was something wrong. This earth will never be perfect again until Jesus comes. And even the people 
who I understand are in that top two or three percent who are multi-billionaires. Even those people who, who they claim are doing better now than ever, even they have sorrow every day that they live. Because money can't cordon you off from sadness, disease, and death. And every day of life on this planet, the only way that it can be precious and enjoyable, dependably, is to have it through Christ. So tonight what I want to tell you may sound way too personal. And if that's so, I apologize, maybe. But what I want to tell you is this. I am not going to warn you that Jesus is coming. I want to assure you that Jesus is coming. <laughs> In fact, with the very text that I just read, I want to tell you that even when things look bad, Jesus says, don't let it get you down. Because when things start to turn downward, that's the sign that my coming is even closer so don't look down look up because your redemption draws nigh the very thing that christians have hoped for all of our lives is about to happen and whether it happens in our lifetimes or not i am very glad to be among those who look for jesus coming well for a minute i want to read you some texts that are just powerful uh and i've just passed one of my experience the power moments so it's going to be better uh, go to acts chapter one and verse 9 Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 I, I want to show you that this thing is not corporate you know there are some people who looked at way too much television they've seen too many B movies and they think that everything has to be televised in fact your imagination has been limited by television and cinematographers well I'll tell you that mine is not when I read the Bible, my imagination goes absolutely crazy. I ask God to let me peep over into his side. Let me see some things that are represented by these words that are in God's holy book. And I believe God can show you stuff that is way better than anything on some movie screen or on a television screen. So I get excited. I, I used to have a little dog who just sat with me in my study. I, I don't know whether he'll make it to heaven. I got to check that out. But I'll tell you one thing, when I got a hold of a good piece of a sermon, he knew it and he'd stand up. And I'd look at him and he'd look at me and it was like he understood. You got something good over there? Yup. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, look at Acts chapter one and let's start at verse nine. And when he had spoken, this is verse nine, and when he had spoken these things while they beheld he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight and while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up behold two men stood by them in white apparel which also said ye men of Galilee why stand ye gazing up into heaven this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. 
Now you can pass by that nonchalantly if you want to, but I, I'm there. I'm, I'm standing with them. And they're looking up and they see Jesus going up into heaven. That must have been an amazing moment because Jesus was not only their, their savior, he was not only the son of God in human flesh to them, he was their friend. And he had assured them of many things before he left, but now they look and see him go. And as they were staring, I imagine there may have been some tearful eyes. Men don't particularly like, like to cry publicly. But if somebody you truly love is leaving and they're leaving in this way, the drama of his leaving is amazing. Besides, he won't be there anymore. Not be there to touch and, and, and talk to in the middle of a night or go to with your problems. And as they were staring at him leaving, these beings said to them, Why are you looking into heaven? He's leaving, but he's coming back. This same Jesus, the one you've come to love and to know, this same Jesus who gave you hope when it was hopeless, this same Jesus will come in the same way that you see him go. So be corporate if you want to. I take it personally. The disciples thought that they would live to see him come back. They did not. And many others have lived and died with this hope of seeing Jesus come back again. But I will not let it go. Because I believe what the Bible says. I believe that this same Jesus will come back in the same way that they saw him go. I guess we'll get to it eventually, but he'll come in clouds. He'll have a little company. We'll talk about it. Let me take you to John chapter 14. Here is one that people think they know so you'll see people looking very erudite now they'll quote this so if you've got somebody near you who quotes it act like you don't know they're doing it <laughs> John chapter 14 and look at the just the ah forgive me sometimes it's hard for me to preach because I know I'm preaching to many cultures and some of you can't understand uh, my culture my culture gets a little noisy every now and then huh? I've got a rule I will not tell you how to react to my preaching if you don't tell me how to preach but still I am aware that some idiosyncrasies of black preaching might rub people the wrong way and there are times when I try my best to be acceptable to you. <laughs> then there are times when I just go ahead and do it the way God tells me to do it. So if I happen to do that tonight, I hope you'll pray for me. <laughs> Look at John chapter 14. If you read this and can't get excited, you need to go somewhere and get a spiritual heart transplant. Because this is Jesus talking to his brothers and sisters and here's what he says let not your heart be troubled did he write that for them or did he write that for now let not your heart be troubled you believe in God believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions if it were not so I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. Now I know some of you who take the Bible a step away. 
You just read that with no emotion. But I take it personally. If Jesus says he made a place for me, I could rent houses for the rest of my life with the assurance that I've got one house that doesn't have to have rent paid. The, the, the word translates, I went and checked it to make sure, it translates dwelling places that are permanent, permanent dwelling places. I know I have many wealthy people in the audience who won't understand this, but some of us worry about whether we can stay in the house permanently. Now I'm dividing my audience. Terrible, isn't it? So if you're in the category with me, just sit quietly and nobody will know. <laughs> but some of us don't know whether we'll have the house the whole time. When we're renting, we certainly don't know. But some of us have purchased the house. However, we are fully aware that should you miss a payment, your arrangement could revert to something akin to rent <laughs> oh forgive me I'm bringing you down <laughs> but but Jesus said I'm preparing a permanent dwelling place for you let me let me get to the next part of this it's and if I go to prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also now I have a lot of uh, intellectuals talk to me from time to time and they say how do you know you like heaven well I could give them an emotional reaction but I take them to this text Jesus says, I'm going to come back to get you. Now, he could send somebody. <laughs> Forgive me, I'm having my own personal experience the power moment. He could send somebody for me, but he says, I'm coming personally. And I will receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you will be and I want to tell you something if that's all I knew about heaven that would be enough because Jesus has taken care of me on earth I've never met him in person but everything I've ever needed he supplied Whenever I was in trouble, even if he didn't take the trouble away, he gave me strength to bear up under it. There have been times when nobody else was there to talk to and Jesus was there. There are times when I finish my prayer and I stay on my knees because I'm not just praying to him. I want to hear from him and I have heard him talk to me. So all I need to know is that he's going to be there and that's heaven for me. Maybe that's not enough for you. Let me, Titus chapter 2, I, I want to read all of these, but I can't. I have this enemy in front of me. <laughs> Titus chapter 2 and verse 13 says, This 
is our blessed hope. Listen, I am not a pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by preacher. I do not preach that if you love Jesus, just wait. You must wait for everything. In fact, I, I believe, and you heard me say it the other night, that if you return a faithful tithe and give an offering, that God will not wait until you go to heaven. He will open the floodgates of heaven. Excuse me, it's a big place. It opens slower. He will open the floodgates of heaven right now and pour you out a blessing that you won't have room for. I believe that God blesses people right now. I'm looking at some of you and I know you are blessed. A few preachers have borrowed something that I started. I, I, this is original. If you are alive to know that you are broke. You are blessed. If your nervous system is capable of telling you that you have a headache, you are blessed. And if you woke up this morning with nobody having to come and pull you out of your bed, don't make the mistake of believing that your alarm clock did it. Some of you know me too well. You know what I'm about to say. If you think an alarm clock will wake somebody up, take one down to the funeral home. So when this Jesus says, I'm coming, that is my blessed hope. Because I don't say he will only bless you then. That would be the opiate of the people. What I tell you is that he blesses us now. In fact, his reign falls upon the just and the unjust. It's just that if you are in the family, you get extra blessings. Is there a witness anywhere close? Is there a witness anywhere far away? So I tell you that while I'm not a preacher who believes in pie in the sky by and by, I believe that Jesus blesses at all times. But the consummate hope of every Christian is to see Jesus. In fact, one of the last texts I read tonight will be that very thing. Now I've got an experience the power moment. It's in 1 Thessalonians. I have asked God to allow me to preach this without extraneous noise. Because I've got things I could say while I'm reading this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, this is an experience, the power moment. You know when we have them, it gets exciting. I'm starting with verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. I've got to pause just to calm down. Okay, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, I got to do it again, 
We which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So when Jesus comes, those who have died in Christ shall rise first. There is a, there is a plot or two out in Inglewood, California, where my mother and now my father are asleep in Jesus. But this text says that, that we who are alive and remain shall not prevent them. The Lord says, I myself will come. Do you see it? There are some things he will not delegate. So here's what it says, verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. If anybody in your family has died with faith in Jesus, the Bible says that they will be resurrected when Jesus comes. We will not prevent them. We will not go before them. I've heard wonderful gospel songs that sounded so beautiful, but they were bad theology. If you get there before I do. The Bible says the dead will rise. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive will be caught up together with them. The greatest family reunion that the universe has ever known. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Do you see why I'm excited about Jesus coming? There are some things that have happened since my mother and my father died that I think they deserved to see. My mom would have been swept away by this thing that's happening now. I don't know what she'd say. My dad would be completely torn apart by it. I don't know whether God will have video to play for them. But I wish they could see it. But I tell you this. If you sit here tonight thinking that the earth will fizzle out in nuclear winter. That the atmosphere will become so poisoned that we can't breathe. That everybody will have to wear gas masks and then die together in some clump. If you think that the ozone layer will be wiped out and that the sun will heat us so much that we'll die in heat that's too high for us to handle. If you think man's inhumanity to man will continue to be worse and worse until we annihilate each other. If you think that people will become angry with their vehicles or their aircraft or their sea craft and take each other out, you are wrong. Before any of that can happen. Jesus is going to come. <laughs> Matthew chapter 24. I got to read this one. I got some stuff I can't read, but I'll just let you go home and take care of that. Matthew chapter 24. If you don't uh, read Matthew 24 when you go home. Now you will find in Matthew 24 that the disciples went to Jesus and said, they asked the question that I would like to ask. 
can you stop? Well, continue to look for Matthew 24, but can you multitask? I'm sure all the ladies can. You say the men can't. Here is what I want to say about, about this wonderful text. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Let's read it first. And verse 14. And here's what it says. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Now there are people who get upset about this. Oh no. The end is coming. Folks, let me tell you something. If this is your idea of great living, <laughs> that means that you dwell in that great Egyptian river, denial. <laughs> this isn't it. Not for me. Look. I've been blessed. I've never been wealthy, but God has, has given me, according to what he says in the Bible, some things above that I, that I could ask or imagine. So for a couple of minutes in my life, I've had a, a big job. This isn't it. This job is not about money. This job is about joy. Let me tell you. All those big time preachers could buy and sell me before breakfast, but they are not happier than I am because I've got peace that surpasses understanding. I, my job is not about the size of my paycheck. It's, it's that I enjoy it. But this text says that if you are part of the process that spreads the gospel to every kindred and nation and tongue and people, you are helping to bring the day when the end will come. And when the end comes, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Because before the end comes, Jesus will come. And I tell you tonight that you are now part of the process. Guess what? You've been going home. I don't have to ask you. I know you have. You've been going home telling your family and friends what we've been reading from the Bible. So you're part of it. And we are downlinked all around. I, I can't keep up with the numbers of places where we're downlinked but I can tell you this we are part of the process because all people need to know is that good news is coming and the good news is that Jesus is about to come and redeem those who love him and that's all you need to know now let me let me get to Hebrews chapter 9 I'm reading this from the NIV that's why I'm not looking it up Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28 here's what it says so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him I need to remind you of something and that is this Jesus is not coming back for people who in and of themselves are perfect. We've read it to you now more than once. Jesus is coming back for family members. Those who have been born again into the family of God. Not because you're perfect. 
No one on this earth is perfect. The only perfect servant of God lived and was crucified and went to sit at the right hand of his father. So tonight, the blessed hope is that ordinary people who allow themselves to be adopted into the family of God, who allow the divine nature to be placed in us by the birth, the rebirth through water and blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You remember we described it, wind blowing. You can't see it. That's how it happens. But the wind blows a little, a little, a little, and then a lot. And you are changed from who you used to be. Your will, your attachments, your appetites, your activities are moderated because you want to be like your father, your big brother, and the Holy Spirit. So people in heaven are not going to be people who were already perfect. They'll be people like Zacchaeus who got a call to come down out of the tree and Jesus went home with them and his presence in the house made the difference. The coming of Christ is going to be amazing because you will not have to see it on any television screen. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 7 says, Every eye shall see him. In fact, just before that, look at verse, verse preceding it. Verse 6, if you hear that Jesus is there, don't believe it. If you hear Jesus came a certain place, don't believe it. Because when he comes, you won't have to worry about that. In fact, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27. And I'm going to war with my clock. But I got something I'm going to share with you before we go. I got one more experience the power moment. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27. And here's what it says, if I can have, yes. For as the lightning cometh out of the east, and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So look at verse 26. Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in secret chambers, believe it not. Because nobody will have to tell you that Jesus is coming. Now here, I must say to you, is the downside for some people who believe and have been convinced that the coming of Christ is a bad thing. The fact is that in Matthew chapter 24, in verse 4, verse 42, and verse 44, we have a triumvirate of warnings. And these warnings are to a specific class of people, and I'll tell you exactly who they are. It says in verse 4, Tehid. It says in verse 42, watch. It says in verse 44, be ready. This crisis is stealing gradually upon us as we go about our daily activities. And those who sincerely look for the coming of Christ will be ready. Because we know what the Bible says. It says that those who love Jesus will be able to tell by the signs that he is coming. Matthew chapter 24 verses 6 and 7 says that there will be wars and international tensions. Have we got that? I don't want to talk about the political issues surrounding Iraq. Whether you were for it or not, you must confess that it has changed our world. This, this strange cultural 
clash will not go away. In fact, it has elements within it that make it larger than life. We toss around the word Armageddon. We have used it and overused it so much that we have drained all the meaning out of it. But it is not an, a normal war. It is not a physical conflict only. It is a conflict of major proportions. It is a war between good and evil of righteousness against wickedness. And we may have finally come to the moment when we are on the brink of that war. The Bible says, Luke chapter 21, verse 11, and Mark 13, verses 7 and 8, that there will be famines and natural disasters. As we sit here tonight, most of us overfed. In fact, there's somebody who can barely stay awake to hear me. As much as I move around and raise my voice, because you ate way too much. And what you need is that, ah, ah, get your back again. But while we sit here overfed, there are places in the world where children's bellies bloat because they can't get enough. Their growth is stunted. Their eyes bulge out. And these babies are all different kinds of colors. You can't imagine where they are. There are children who live picking up trash off the streets and out of trash bins while we sit in one of the wealthiest countries on the face of the earth. And the Bible says when that happens, it's a sign. When the weather gets different. I would be very narrow to preach to this audience about the storms that have come to America. But if you live in the Caribbean, you could tell us stories about those storms. Because they all generate not far away from the Caribbean. And then they move our way. But now they have come with such, such strange rapidity. And they come in the same places. I have a friend who owns a home in the path of the last three. And he doesn't know what to do. Should I fix the house or just let it stay there? And somebody says, there's something wrong. There's not something wrong. There's something right. These are signs to tell you that Jesus is about to come and and the problem is this that some people even when they see that and if you look in second Timothy starting chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 it'll tell you about all the problems within our culture you'll be surprised I believe to know that the Bible understood them way back then and there are some people listen to me and these are the only people who need to be afraid if you know what God offers and you will not accept if you know that he loves you for no reason at all and that his love reaches out to you that his grace pursues you but instead of allowing him to change you you run in the other direction the only people who need to be worried are the ones who will not allow Jesus to transform them into a new being. If you push God out of your life, if you will not let him love you, because that's all he wants to do, he will change you with a power from without that comes within to make you able to do anything 
that he asks. And those are the ones who are in trouble. Look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'll read you this, and then I've got a story to tell you. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Start with verse, t verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. In other words, the question is simple. When it's in the Word of God, when it applies to everybody, when you could be as wicked as Zacchaeus and Jesus would call you by name, but you refuse it, it would be the equivalent of Zacchaeus saying, when Jesus approached his tree and said, Zacchaeus, I want to go to your house. No. No. I don't have any company with people like you. I only came to watch the kinds of people who need to worry about Jesus coming are the kinds of people who lock the door against a loving Christ who wants to come in and make you ready for a kingdom that is beyond belief. I, uh, I got a call from my, uh, my grandmother. My grandmother has since deceased. I hadn't seen her in ages. I told this story about 15 years ago in the long version. This is going to be the short one. She said, son, I'm not eating the right food. I'm not getting treated well. And you're the only one who I can call. Come visit me and bring me some things to eat. And I just need to see you. Well, my grandmother had lived with us. There's nothing more powerful than having that generation in the house. My grandmother, you know, grandparents don't have to chasten you. They, they're finished with that phase of their parenting. So they are just wonderful and sweet. My grandmother had arthritis and she was in a wheelchair. My brother and I would sit beside her wheelchair when the sun would rise in the morning because something amazing happened. She, she would be aching and the pains would be getting more than she could bear and she would sing hymns and wait for the sun to warm her until the arthritis gave in to the beams of the sun. So she would sing with tears running down her face and we say, Grandmother, why are you crying? She said, Arthur. And we knew that was arthritis. And then her tears would go away. And she'd sing with a smile and we'd say, Grandmother, why are you smiling? She'd say, because Jesus has taken my pain away. We love Grandmother. So when she said come, I was ready to come. I just bought a brand new Buick. Does anybody remember when preachers used to love Buicks? I'm not talking about those tiny little Buicks. I'm talking about this Buick.
I said, Grandmother, how do I get to you? She said, call, call my brother. I called him. I said, Uncle, how, how do I get to you? He said, look, here's what you got to do. You get on the four lane for a while. He said, then you're going to make a turn onto a two lane. He said, then you get on a two lane that's not paid. Well, I thought about my car, but this is grandmother. And he said, then you're going to turn off on a little path. And then he said, Junior, when you're almost here, you're going to get to a place where the tractor made two little cuts. <laughs> he said, and, and you'll know when you get there. It's going to be kind of rough, but you'll know you're almost here. And I remember my wife was riding with me. She was helping to make the payments on the Buick. <laughs> we were fine on the four lane, fine on the two lane, fine on the dirt road, even okay on the path. And then we made that turn into the tractor place. <laughs> I was afraid to look at her. It was our brand new car. And instead of getting upset, I was smiling. Because I knew that with every bump in the tractor path, I was closer to grandmother. So the trials of that trip did not make me upset. They got me excited. Because the rougher the drive, the closer I was to grandmother. You did that all by yourself. I didn't have to help you. Go to 1 John chapter 3, the last one that I'll be able to give you. 1 John chapter 3. I tell you that the rougher things get, the closer we are to the coming of Jesus Christ. So don't be upset at me if I don't get down in the dumps with you. Because I know the rougher this trip is, the closer we are to the coming of Jesus Christ. And when he comes, all of this will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. The fact is that government, all of these challenges we have with government will disappear. For the government shall be upon his shoulders and he shall reign forever and ever. I'll never have to worry about the problems of an election again. For when he is installed in office, there will be no more leadership. Well, let me read this. This is John, 1 John chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not, doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now here's my last experience the power moment. Verse 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Do you know what that text means? Still imperfect. Still struggling with habits that I ought not need to struggle with. I am accepted in heaven because Jesus, my big brother, is there. Now, 
Am I a child of God? What has happened is that my relationship with Jesus has given him the confidence to go into heaven to represent me. If God looked beyond Jesus and saw me back there, he would have to ask Jesus, what is he back? Well, how did he get back there? But since God trusts his son, I am covered with Jesus' righteousness. I am covered with his perfection. So God the Father accepts me because my big brother says, I'm going to be ready when he comes back to get me again. So I tell you tonight, wickedness will not enter heaven. But Jesus knows that if I'll just let him have my life. If I'll just let him move like the wind moves. If I'll just let him wash me in the blood. If I'll just let him move the Holy Spirit into my life. If I'll just let him bring me into the family. Put a new nature in me. If I'll just let him be the power that propels me. So that I am crucified with Christ. But I live by Jesus living inside of me. I am dead with Christ, but I am resurrected by the power of Jesus. Jesus takes me in symbol into God's presence. And one day, I'll see him. I'll see him as he is. And I don't know what he'll be like because I've never seen him with these natural eyes before. But one thing I know is that when I see him, shall be like him until tomorrow night may God hear you when you call may God lift you if you fall may God bless you as you stand may God hold you in the palm of his hand good night God bless you